Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, April 4th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is opening day for the Boston Red Sox. Major League Baseball had a couple games, opening day games yesterday. Uh, but here in Boston with this team, they are in Cleveland this afternoon for a 4 o'clock first pitch, 30 degrees in Cleveland. Now, I don't know if they have the same weather we have because it's just as cold there in Boston. But as I look out the window here at the Beantown Athletic Studio, the snow is falling. And, you know, I'm thinking baseball. You got the Masters this week at Augusta. I'm watching ESPN right now. They're live from Augusta. But again, just the thought of baseball being played. Like, I have, I moved on from winter about a month ago. Moved on. I was done with it. Not just because I was going on a little vacation, but because we had some warm weather. And I think the way the weather pattern was going, everybody here in Boston and New England, or most people that I communicate with on a daily basis, I think we all came to the same conclusion that it was going to be you know, in early spring, right? We were going to get some warm weather in, in the month of March and it was going to continue in April and we were, we were done with winter. We had a, a very mild winter. We did not have the winter we had last year where we had snowstorm after snowstorm every single week to the point where I got literally snowed into the studio here at Beantown Athletics one night. Um, we didn't have that type of winter. We had a very good winter. And because of that and because we get some warmer weather early on in March... I think we, you know, most people here just moved on. And, and maybe I should just speak for myself now with my emotions here. I moved on, all right? I was done with winter. So as I sit here and I look at the ground covered in snow, and as I once again have to wake up today and wipe the car off to drive in to the studio, wipe, wipe snow off my car, uh, I want to be excited today because baseball's beginning. But we are, there's already one baseball game today, opening day, Yankees and the Astros supposed to be played in New York. It's already been postponed because of the weather. And, you know, this isn't the first time we've seen snow in April. But because of the mindset that we had, at least in this town, in this area of the country, in, in which we thought we were past this weather, and, and it snowed the other day. It's probably going to snow, in, you know, tomorrow, the day after that. I don't know how long I can handle this for. Uh, so I'm not, not doing great today. I want to be excited for baseball. I'm going to watch this game this afternoon. I'll break it down tomorrow. The lineups are out for the Red Sox. If you're interested, the first lineup of 2016, Mookie Betts leading off. Dustin Pedroia hitting second. Xander Bogots hitting third. Love that. David Ortiz in a cleanup spot. Hanley Ramirez hitting fifth. Travis Shaw hitting sixth. Brock Holt hitting seventh. Blake Swihart hitting eighth. And Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting ninth. So that's what the Red Sox lineup looks like today. I mean, no, there's nobody in this lineup that, you know, leading into spring training that we thought wouldn't be in there. I mean, this is sort of what 
we had heard this was going to be David Price versus Corey Kluber. But the idea that today's game means something, I mean, we've been talking and talking and previewing and giving predictions, and it's like, hey, get me to some meaningful baseball. Like, get me a game that means something, right? Because if you listen to me, you know, I I could break down one single baseball game for about 17 fucking hours uh, on the next day's show. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't want to say that's why I'm in this business. Um, But one of the things I do love more than a lot of other stuff that I do in this business is... I, I, breaking down a baseball game. I do. And so I have a tough time breaking down spring training games, though, because at the end of the day, the result of that game doesn't mean anything. And, you know, nobody's playing the whole game, and you're seeing guys that you don't see in the regular season towards the end, and it's just it's somewhat laughable. You know, you get some games where in spring training, you, if you've ever been to a spring training game, you know, there's a game going on, and there's guys in the outfield doing sit-ups, you know, getting, getting their ab work in. During the fucking game. So yeah, how seriously can you take it? I know there's certain things that you look for, but let's face it. Spring training began in February. February. And so we've been doing this preview shit now for the regular season, getting ready for the regular season for over a month. It, it, it's going to be good and refreshing to see a meaningful baseball game. It's going to be a cold one for the pitches. So, I mean... Uh, if, if I were a pitcher in Major League Baseball, the last thing I would want to do is have to pitch in 30-degree weather. But that's what they got in Cleveland this afternoon for the Red Sox opening day game. And then they'll have the day off tomorrow. A uh, little update tomorrow night. I know I'm on WEI on the weekends as I was yesterday on my weekend radio show. I will be also, because of the day off for the Red Sox tomorrow night, I'll be on WEI 93.7 FM also listen on their app and on their website, weei.com. That's tomorrow night, 10 to midnight. So we'll be looking back at this game yesterday, and I'll do it on tomorrow's podcast as well. But I'm sure there will be some news between when I record tomorrow's podcast and tomorrow night's radio show on WEEI. So busy time of year. It's beginning, as I said, the Masters is this week as well. Also tonight... We got the national championship game, UNC. It's North Carolina, a one seed against a two seed Villanova in Houston. UNC is a two-point favorite in this one. Tip-off at 9 o'clock. I'm going to go with North Carolina, but at the same time, if you've listened to this podcast the last couple weeks, you know I have not really paid that much attention to the NCAA tournament this year specifically uh, because of the timing of, of it a vacation that I had, I'm usually all in on the NCAA tournament. I'm just, this year wasn't, wasn't the year for that. And uh, in, in other college basketball news, outside of the national championship game, you get this announcement now from Duke freshman Brandon Ingram. He is going to declare for the NBA draft. To nobody's surprise, we knew Ingram was going, right? And if you look at the mock drafts, we already know Ben Simmons is going from LSU. Looks like he's going to be the number one pick. I mean, maybe someone could surprise. I don't know. But Ingram, Simmons, Simmons, Ingram, those two guys are going to be the top two picks. And, and most of the mock drafts you see and most of the analysts that, that you talk to and you, you hear from, they say Simmons will be number one overall and Ingram will be number two overall. And if you want to take this Brooklyn Nets pick that the Celtics have, it's probably not going to be a top two pick, but it's going to be a top five pick. And it could be the three of the four, which means you're putting yourself in position. If Ingram and Simmons are off the board, the Celtics, hey, 
Chris Dunn, but he healed. Or maybe they take the pick and they trade it. Take the pick and they trade it. It's all options are on the table for the Boston Celtics when it comes uh, to that. But, you know, as I, I don't want to get away from baseball completely, but, but, you know, we've already done all the previews. Friday's show, I gave you my Major League Baseball season predictions. The game starts at four. By the time you listen to this podcast, you know, you might listen to this podcast tonight. The Red Sox game today will, might be over. So keeping this show timely, I, I, what I'm going to do now is sort of react to what we saw over the weekend. And what we saw over the weekend was, yeah, there was some baseball yesterday. But bringing it back here locally, and I think this extends beyond a local conversation and a local storyline. The Celtics went into Golden State on Friday night and beat the Warriors. Celtics were 12-point underdogs in this game. They beat Golden State on Friday night. Now, I told you, we, I was going out. The boys went out to watch the games. The Bruins, you know, they won in St. Louis. They just barely held on. And I'll get to the Bruins. Because I was on the radio. I had my weekend radio show yesterday during the Bruins game. Like, I was watching the Bruins game on the TV, and I kept you updated on the radio if you listen yesterday. And it just, it was an embarrassing day for your Boston Bruins yesterday. It was embarrassing. I know the Blackhawks are a great hockey team, but that was an embarrassment what happened yesterday in the first period and a half. The defense the Bruins played. I'll get to that. But going back to Friday night, you know, Bruins win, went out. We saw the Celtics, you know, we're out L Street Tavern going nuts because the Celtics beat Golden State, and it was the first time Golden State this season has lost at home. First time. They are 37-1 and at home this year. So the Celtics go into Golden State. They win that game. And you have to go back to the last time these two teams play where the Celtics took them to double overtime here in Boston at the TD Garden. And the dogfight that the Celtics gave them, I think, was a pretty good indication as to the matchup that and the, the threat that the Celtics give Golden State because their defense is so ferocious. Like, I said it yesterday on the radio, Steph Curry, I think if you, if you took him, you know, off the court, away from the gym, you, you know, he was out with his, his buddies, with his friends, and you asked him to a man off the record, he said, hey, you know, give me someone that you wouldn't want to see covering you in a seven-game playoff series. And you know what? He might very well answer that question and say, oh, it doesn't matter. Nobody can stop me. I'm Steph Curry. Uh, maybe he will. I don't know. Maybe he'd answer that. But, but let's say you forced him to give you one guy who would be at the top of a list. Like, if you had to compile a list of players that, that you wouldn't want covering you or would have the best chance to maybe not stop you but slow you down in a seven-game series, who would it be? I... I, I I almost want to guarantee, based on the two games that we've seen now between the Celtics and Golden State, I almost want to guarantee that Avery Bradley, you know, that really that whole Celtics defense, Bradley, Smart, you know, that full, that press that they put on, it's ferocious. And that's the type of defense, like Avery Bradley and, and Steph Curry's mug for a seven-game series, that's the type of defense that would give a player like Steph Curry nightmares. I honestly believe that. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, and I'm not going to tell you that they're even going to play in the finals, the Celtics and the Warriors, because I don't think the Celtics are going to get there this year. As much as I love this Celtics team, I mean, I, I fucking love them. 
to the point where I'm at, you know, we're, we're looking into season tickets for next season. Because I think the Celtics are doing something big. And this probably leads me back into the, uh, you know, my thoughts on this win over Golden State and what it means now, maybe for the Celtics offseason. But, you know, as much as I love this Celtics team, if they get into a seven-game series with this group right now against Cleveland in the playoffs in the East, Cleveland's going to win that series if Cleveland is, is as healthy as they could possibly be. Like, if they have Love, if they have Irving, and obviously LeBron, right? Irving, Love, they were hurt last year's finals. LeBron James still beat Golden State in two games in the finals last year. I think people forget about that. I do. That's a, that was a pretty big accomplishment because you remember when Irving went down, when Love was down, nobody gave Cleveland a shot. Now, I did, but no, not many other people wanted to. But I, the way I looked at it, I said, LeBron James, he's a man amongst boys. It, it just, let's not, just because people don't like him. Yeah, you might not like LeBron. You might hate his guts. But be realistic about the guy's talent and ability to take over a basketball game. I mean, he can do it maybe better than anybody. And I know what we've seen from Steph Curry, where he shoots that ball from. I mean, he'll hit shots from half court. And, you know, it, it, there's a purpose to the shot. Like, he knows he can hit that. It's insane how he can shoot off the dribble like that from that distance. And he, and he buries him. But, so we've seen Steph Curry do some things that, that you know, it's, it's pretty eye-opening stuff to the point where Steph Curry has become must-see TV. He has. He's must-see TV. And, and with that, and I think people enjoying that maybe Steph Curry has sort of stolen some of the spotlight away from LeBron James as the quote-unquote best player in the world. Now, again, maybe you don't feel that way, but that's a lot of people do. And because he sort of stole that spotlight from Le- LeBron, I think people enjoy that, and I think they maybe forget just how good LeBron James still is. So if the Celtics play the Cavaliers in a playoff series right now, I'm just not buying that the Celtics beat them. It's just, it's not, it's not going to happen. But, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean they won't put up a fight. I think they'll put up a better fight than they did last year. They got swept last year in four games in the first round. I you know, the Celtics can win a couple games against the Cavaliers. I think they can take this series. They can make it a six-game series. I believe so. And, you know, I know you're saying, well, if you can do that, anything can happen. And, hey, when we get there, if we get there, we'll get there. We'll break it down, and we'll see what the, what the matchups are looking like throughout the series as the series moves forward. But if you want me to make that pick right now, I'm telling you I'm picking Cleveland to go to the finals. Um, so, so to have a conversation of, all right, the Celtics beat Golden State, in this game the other night, the Celtics, you know, they took them to double overtime earlier in the season. Clearly, the Celtics match up, at least with their defense, they can match up against Golden State, and they can, you know, they can give someone like Steph Curry fits. Like, they can. They can give him nightmares. Avery Bradley, the, the Marcus Smart duo, Jay Crowder. I mean, they can. They can do that. They can give him fits. But I don't think they're going to be playing each other again this season because the Celtics are not getting to the finals. And for all we know, San Antonio could beat Golden State in the West, in the Western Conference Finals. So it could be San Antonio in the Finals if somehow the Celtics miraculously get out of the East, right? Um, but for, so for, forget about any type of rematch between these two teams this season. But as we move forward, like Golden State, even if they somehow don't win it all this year, like they're not going anywhere. Golden State's going to be right back next year, and they're going to be just as dominant in the regular season. 
they're going to be a team that people will probably pick to win it all again next year and the year after that and the year after that. Golden State's not going anywhere. They're not. I, I, I don't believe they are. So you might at some point in the next, let's say, three to five years, I, I, I don't rule out that you see a Celtics-Golden State Warriors NBA Finals sometime in the next three to five years. I say that because I think, as I just mentioned, the Celtics are on the verge of doing something huge, and they're going to do something huge this offseason, this summer. They're going to. And, and I saw the game Friday night. I'm sure you saw the game Friday night. And this is, this is, this is beyond a local perspective here. This is beyond that. This is a national story. This is the first time Golden State lost at home. Everybody and their mother's watching that game. Everybody and their mother's paying attention to that game. Not me, not just me, not just you, not just your, you know, your family and your friends. All right? Players in the NBA. Players in the NBA. And not just average players, great players. And not just great players, great players who are going to be free agents this summer. And you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I happened, I'm surprised maybe Kevin Durant, didn't, he might have blocked me already on Twitter, but I just kept checking in with him to make sure that he saw what happened on Friday night. I tweeted Kevin Durant about 25 times, and I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to remind him of what, what's going on with the Celtics team, but I don't even need to remind him. I do that in jest, like it's supposed to be funny. And uh, my point is this. Kevin Durant witnessed what happened Friday night. He did. He witnessed what happened Friday night. And for me to sit here and tell you that Kevin Durant witnessed that and is going to be a free agent, combined with the things he said about the Celtics, combined with the fact that there are players the Celtics could possibly acquire that Kevin Durant wants to play with, and also the Brad Stevens effect, that fact that Kevin Durant coming to the Boston Celtics, choosing the Celtics, is no longer a pipe dream. It isn't. It's no longer delusional. It's not. It's, it's a realistic conversation that not only, you know, you should be happy having, but you should feel the need to have it. Like, this is a real thing. Kevin Durant... Looking at his options this summer, whether it's three teams, whether it's four teams, whether it's five teams, the Celtics are going to be one of those teams, one of those options. Not just because of what he sees, but because the Celtics are committed to doing something big. They've, hint, they've, they've done more than hint. They've said it. They say, hey, we got two max contracts. You know, we're going to spend them. Also, salary cap going up in the NBA. You know what I mean? This is, this is a real thing. And the Celtics are going to be not just interested, but I think they're going to attack. I think they are going to attack. And maybe the best thing that's happening for Danny Ainge's potential attack plan to, to go after Kevin Durant this summer was that win Friday night in Golden State. Everybody and their mother was watching that game. And they saw. They slowed down the Warriors. And, and... You know, say what you want about late in the season, Golden State's been playing hot all year long. They don't go the San Antonio route. 
and, and rest their guys and, and stay content with a certain seed and just get into the playoffs and getting healthy. Golden State's let it be known. They're going for this regular season win record, right? They're going for it. Um, but when, while going for it, they're still playing some great basketball, even though they've been playing hard all year long and they're not taking the breaks that maybe a San Antonio's taking. So the Celtics beat a very good team in their own building. Gave them their first loss in their building this year. And and it's, you know, the defending champ, the team that, that people think going to win it again. A player in Steph Curry that people think has surpassed someone like LeBron James to be called the best player in the world. Celtics gave him some fits. And it wasn't the first time. Okay? It wasn't the first time. And it won't be the last. And if you're someone like Durant, you know that. You see it. You're thinking of Boston. I, he's, he hasn't come out and said it. Uh, there have been no new reports, really, the last couple days that, that, that have told me, have confirmed that to me. But I'm using common sense. And when I say this is a common sense dot right now, Kevin Durant, you know, thinking about Boston this summer, not too long ago, Many people in this town, whether it was on Twitter, Facebook, people who listen to my show, who text in at WEI, who call in at WEI, many people thought I was nuts. They say it's never going to happen. I said, well, let this season play out. Let's see what they can do. Let's see how exciting the Celtics can be, right? Because you know the Celtics, they desire that type of player, that elite player, that elite scorer, Durant's that guy. That's how you get to the next level. The Celtics are not at that next level. That's why I tell you they can't beat Cleveland. They need to get that guy to get to that next level. You know, this isn't, that isn't the craziest thought that anyone's ever had. It's a fact. The Celtics have come out and said it. So, it would be crazy if they didn't go after Durant. The problem people had with this conversation was they thought Durant would never realistically think of Boston as a place he would choose to go. And uh, I, I still say this to be true. I said it at the deadline. I said, when you talk about potentially moving that Brooklyn pick, I think one thing you need to keep in the back of your mind is, let's say you did do something to convince someone like Kevin Durant to come to the Celtics. One thing that would help you out if you're the Celtics is using that pick in some potential sign and trade because then that player can make more money with the team that trades for him. Right? He can make more money at that point. So maybe you take that and you say, hey, look, he's not coming back to Oklahoma City. Here's the Brooklyn pick. You want Buddy Heald? Boom. You want Chris Dunn? Bada-bing. There it is. You got it. You got it, and we'll take the rent. And maybe there's more to that trade, that sign and trade. Who knows? But the bottom line is this. If, if the Celtics want to make a major move, Durant needs to be at the top of their list. The problem other people had with this conversation was they didn't think the Celtics would be at the top of Durant's list. Is it at the top right now? I don't know if it's at the very top. But I can tell you this. That the Celtics are on his list. Especially after what you saw Friday night with the Celtics going into Golden State and beating the Warriors and giving them some fits. Yeah. Fits. And at some point... This Celtics team, with this Celtics defense, with this Celtics coach, and perhaps with a superstar player or two in the next couple years, they're going to run into Golden State in the NBA Finals. 
And they're going to give someone like Steph Curry nightmares in a seven-game series. It's, they're going to. They're going to give someone like him nightmares. So, I, I, it's not a crazy thought. I'm, I'm not delusional anymore, folks. I know you thought I was with Kevin Durant and the Celtics talk. I'm not. Not delusional anymore. And that's why we're looking into season tickets. Because you know what? Even if they don't do that, they're still doing something big. But I'm convinced. They are going after Kevin Durant. And I'm just, it's, I'm just, I'm convinced that the Celtics are going to be somebody that he seriously considers. And we'll see when we get there just how serious it is. But uh, uh, we're, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next, for the next step. And that is going to take place this summer. But what a weekend when it came to the Celtics. Uh, the Bruins won that Friday night, but then they're back to work yesterday, and I told you, man, it just, they trailed that game against the Blackhawks 6 to nothing yesterday, and they ended up with a little comeback, making it interesting, right? Now, what they lose? 6-4, to four, they scored four goals late, Bergeron, Marchand, I mean, what, where would the Bruins be without those two guys? They might not even have an NHL team right now. They'd be, you know, those Bergeron and Marchand, they're the only guys that made this game interesting yesterday. And I I said it on the radio. I won't go off on it again because I did it for a while yesterday. And maybe you listened, maybe you didn't. But the bottom line is this. You go into Chicago, the madhouse on Madison, and you put four pucks in the net, you got to win that game. Now, there's a lot of people that, that, when the Bruins weren't scoring, like they trailed 6 nothing, they said, oh, the Bruins can't score. Well, no, 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 no. If the Bruins knew how to play any type of defense, then they would have eventually won that game yesterday. The defense was so bad, you get to the two goals in the second period. It was the Patrick Kane, one of them, or maybe it was at the, the end of the first. Patrick Kane was wide open out front of the net. McQuaid just, like, didn't want to cover him. I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, this is a simple, this is a simple thing you need to do. Like, it's not that complicated. When Patrick Kane is out front of the net, cover him! Like, what are you doing? You're looking at him? One of the best players in the world! But just leave him open out front. Like, that's the Bruins' biggest problem this season. Forget about goal scoring. They've scored the fifth most goals out of any team in the NHL this year. And... If you really pay attention to the problems, one, it's defense, two, it's their penalty kill under Claude Julien run teams. When the Bruins were winning, right? And they under Claude Julien, they 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 always had a shot. You know, last year they didn't make the playoffs for the first time in a Claude Julien's tenure. But and and you know what? They might not make it now because of that loss yesterday. If the playoffs began today, the Bruins are on the outside looking in. They have 90 points. You look up at the wild card, Philly is 91, Islanders have 93, uh, the Bruins have three games left on the schedule. L- you know, the good thing for the Bruins is, when you look at the division, and forget about the wild card, you see Detroit with 91 points. That's only one more point than the Bruins. And the Bruins play Detroit on Thursday night here in Boston at the TD Garden. So essentially, if the Bruins, you know, really wanted to bear down and grind it out, they can put themselves in position here, right? Thursday night, control their own destiny. Almost a win and you get in, right? So they still have an opportunity to get in, but, 
you know, you have a performance like that yesterday on the road where they've been so good this year. They've been so good on the road. But a performance like that in the first period and a half defensively, I mean, come on. That was embarrassing. The defense that this team was playing, they were diving around out front of their own net, flopping. They didn't know which way to turn. It was like it was like an NHL team versus, versus Utah hockey team. That's what it was. I thought Chicago was going to score 12 goals. Now, human nature kicked in, which is you go up six goals in an NHL game on a Sunday afternoon. I do think you, you, you back off a little bit. It's, you, they, they didn't want to. I think it just happens. There's some letdown there when you're up 6 nothing, And I think that also factored into what looked to be a pretty crazy Bruins comeback but was just four goals that didn't mean anything other than maybe you take those four goals if you're the Bruins and you build on it here for the next couple games and the last three of the regular season. But the question will come up now, you know, if the Bruins don't get into the playoffs, what do they do? And Claude Julien, you know, this would be the second straight year they don't get in the playoffs. And I said it yesterday on WEI, I'll say it again. I don't think Claude Julien should be fired because, you know, you want the guy, and, and I, I sort of steal this quote from Bill Parcells, and I, I twist it a little bit. But, you know, you want the guy to, to, to cook the dinner. You want Claude Julien cooking the dinner. But you're not providing him the groceries that are necessary for him to cook the dinner that, that he wants to cook that he knows how to cook. Which is a great meal, by the way. But if you're not giving him the right groceries, he can't possibly give you Something that's any good. My point is this. The Bruins have traded away some of their top defensemen the last couple of years for draft picks, and they've never replaced those players. And Claude Julien's a defensive guy. And, and for whatever reason, you know, the penalty kill has been bad lately down this stretch. They've let up some power play goals where I'm like, the puck movement. I mean, when you get puck movement like some of these teams are getting when they're on the power play against the Bruins penalty kill, like the cross ice through the high slot, like that's just, come on, stick in the lane, you know, grind it out, bear down, and, and kill this penalty off. Like it just, it's not there. The defense is not there. And, you know, what they used to do was, when the Bruins were so good and people complained here in this town about the power play sucking, you know, the power play doesn't suck right now, this year. Can't say that this year. Which is somewhat a rare occurrence because usually people are complaining every single day about the Bruins power play and how they can't score. My philosophy on it always has been this. Forget about power play goals. As long as you can stop other teams' power plays from putting the puck on the puck in the net, then you say, hey, yeah, we might not score on the, on the power play, but we're not going to let you score on the power play. So what we're going to do is we're going to make sure we take care of business, even strength, five-on-five five hockey. And the Bruins did a great job of that. They haven't done that here down the stretch. And teams have made them pay when they're on the po- when, when these teams are on the power play against the Bruins' penalty kill. So that's another issue. And I just don't think Claude has the bodies. And, and going back to the analogy, he's not Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, ownership. They have not provided him uh, the right groceries to cook the meal that he wants to cook that he knows how to cook. So you're going to put that in the coach? No, I'm not going to. I'm telling you right now. If the Bruins don't get in, I've seen the issues defensively all season. I've been yelling and screaming about them all season. They never fixed it. And for that reason, I'm not going to fire Claude Julien if I'm running the Bruins. Now, unfortunately for Claude Julien, I'm not running the Bruins. So unfortunately for Claude Julien, he's 
going to have to find a new kitchen to cook in. Get what I'm saying? They're going to get rid of them. I, I just, I, they shouldn't. I don't want to see them do it. But it's probably going to happen if they don't get in the playoffs. And you know what? I'd even put my money on if the Bruins did get in the playoffs and they got whooped in the first round, they probably still would get rid of Claude Julien. I just, I don't think they should. I don't want them to, but they probably will. And the reason I feel that way is because you go back to when they hired Don Sweeney and they had his first press conference. Keep in mind, Don Sweeney was someone who already was in this organization. Whatever fucking role he was in. He was in a role in which he was involved in the conversations for, you know, organizational philosophies. He was in team meetings. He was someone who was a part of the decision-making. Maybe not the guy that uh, was coming out with the final decision, but he was part of the group, right? You know, everybody come together. You know, let's, let's think this thing out. Let's talk about this. Don Sweeney was involved. In organizational philosophy, and and I'll say team building, when it comes to the roster, he was in the room. So if he's been in the room this whole time, even when Shirelli was a GM, and you name Don Sweeney, you move him up to GM, right? They didn't, they basically, they didn't steal him from another organization. That would be different. Like if Don Sweeney was in another organization, the Bruins fire their GM and they brought Don Sweeney in to be the GM, then, all right. I could understand if Don Sweeney at that point in time would say, guess what, guys? I just got the job. I think it's it's in my best interest and probably in the team's best interest for me to do my due diligence, to take a step back for a couple weeks, to go over the roster, to meet with players, to meet with the coaching staff, to get some conversations in here. You know, I want to do this the right way. I don't want to rush to judgment. I don't want to rush and make any decisions that I might regret down the line because maybe I thought, well... I didn't think enough about that before I made it. So I need some time to, to figure out what my Bruins team's going to look like. Okay? So give me a couple weeks, and then we'll get back to talking about what the coaching staff looks like, what the roster looks like. L- l- give me some time here, folks. He wants to say that? Fine. You know, be my guest. That would make sense if they took him from another organization. The problem I have with it is that they didn't take him from another organization. He was in, he already knew the philosophy. Don Sweeney and Cam Neely already knew how they feel about Claude Julien when they named Don Sweeney the GM. Claude Julien's under contract. So when they asked Don Sweeney about Claude Julien at his introduction, introductory press conference, he does not commit to the coach who's under contract. So... That told me all I needed to know about how they feel about Claude Julien, which means that I don't think they wanted him. But I also think that they care about the public relations aspect. They care about what they look like to the fan base, to the media. And I think even they knew, as much as maybe they don't like Claude Julien or don't want him to be the coach, I think they take a step back and they do look at the resume and they do see that Claude Julien only missed the playoffs once. They do see the fact that, especially now, this season, Claude Julien has the most wins out of any coach in the, in the Boston Bruins history. Think about that. Think about that. Pretty, pretty big accomplishment. And on top of it all, he was the coach for a Stanley Cup champion. He held La Coupe Stanley over his head on that ice in Vancouver. Uh, you know... He's the coach for that. And he led them to another Stanley Cup final two years later. They lost to Chicago. 
But I mean, even a couple years after that, they're knocking on the door. They were a competitive team. You win a cup, you get to another cup final, you only miss the playoffs once in what, seven, eight years? Tell me who they're going to bring in that you could guarantee me this organization would have that same success. You can't tell me anybody. You can't give me anyone. If you say Mike Milbury, I will drive off the fucking road. Please. Please. I mean, it doesn't make any sense for people who tell me that. Um, and what, Cam Neely's going to come down and coach the team? Look, bottom line is this. They should not fire Julian. And I think the, the, the reason they did it they didn't is because they care about the public relations and maybe Don Sweeney said, eh, it might not be the best move and the best look for me. My first move is GM to fire the coach that is about to become the all-time winningest coach in organization history. Won a Stanley Cup, got us to another Cup Finals, only missed the playoff once. Like, this probably would be a bad look for me to, to fire Claude right away. So they're sitting there going, all right, the, you know, if, maybe if you don't go deep into the playoffs, we're going to make the move anyways. Especially if they don't make the playoffs again, I'm just telling you they're gonna fire Claude. They and I, I don't think they should. I'm gonna clarify that to some people because some people might hear what they want, right? They should not fire him, but they probably will. But that's where we stand with the Boston Bruins. If the playoffs began today, they are on the outside looking in. They got a shot to get in. They got a shot to control their own destiny Thursday night against Detroit here in Boston at the TD Garden. I'm gonna try to be at that one. I'm going to try to be at that game. But, um, man, it's what happened yesterday in Chicago. That's, that, that was embarrassing. First period and a half. So uh, that's what we have here in the NHL. And, you know, I'm looking out the window. The mindset's baseball still right now. I just, this is bad. I'm, this is not, like, this isn't a happy sight outside slush. You might even be able to hear the cars driving by and the slush through these windows that we got. Um, man, this is depressing looking out at this. So I guess I'll go home, blast the heat, <laughs> toss on a sweatshirt, watch some baseball, and uh, pray for warmer weather. Yeah, pray for warmer weather. Last night, I, I can't not mention it today. Last night was WrestleMania. WrestleMania was last night. I watched it. Uh, we went to my buddy's house, and he was having a little little WrestleMania party. Can we call it that? WrestleMania party. And I tell you what, we watched, I mean, we watched too much wrestling, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't watch it all the time anyways, but I grew up as a kid, a huge fan, and WrestleMania is like the big event. And they're even doing, and I predicted this last year. You know, I, I make predictions and people jump all over me sometimes, like if I get them wrong. Those, it, some people are just, they're waiting. Like they're on Twitter. It doesn't matter. It could be like four in the morning on a Sunday night. And, and they already have the tweet written out, just proving me wrong. And the minute I'm wrong and they, it is proven that I'm wrong with a prediction, they just hit the send button. Like they can't wait. doesn't matter. Like they'll have an alarm on their phone. I'm convinced. Like, if I'm wrong, they'll, the alarm will go off in the middle of the night, and they'll decide to send me a tweet just reminding me that I didn't get it right. <laughs> um, so, for all the, maybe, the hate that comes my way with predictions that may or may not be wrong, you have to acknowledge one thing here. I made a prediction on the WWE and ESPN being in cahoots 
about a year, a year and a half ago. And I mean, it seems like they're all in. Sports Center yesterday, I I get home from my radio show and I put on Sports Center. They're talking about wrestling on ESPN, WrestleMania, to the point where, you know how they do Sports Center on the road. They go to events, they go to games, like big events. They go to the World Series, they go to the Stanley Cup final, they go to the NBA finals. They you're right. I mean, they they do they do all this stuff. They go to the Super Bowl. They they go to the Masters. They go. On, they take Sports Center on the road. Yesterday, they did Sports Center on the road, and they were inside AT and T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play, where WrestleMania was being hosted last night. They were there all day, and they were interviewing NFL players on the set. They gave you. They even gave you. I got WrestleMania highlights. I was exhausted last night. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there about to pass out and I'm watching you know, sports centers on the TV. And, you know, I hear them talking about WrestleMania. I'm going, no way. They're going to do WrestleMania highlights on Sports Center? And they did. They gave a highlight for the championship match Roman Reigns winning the WWE championship over Triple H, which was an awful match, by the way. I mean, just a terrible match. Wasn't a great way to end the show. Wasn't. And, I don't know, maybe it's because people predicted it already and you kind of knew that was going to happen. Like, you kind of knew he was going to win that and win the belt and he was going to, Roman Reigns would get his WrestleMania moment. But they gave the highlight on SportsCenter. I predicted last year that ESPN and WWE were going to be in cahoots. And it seems like they are now. It's only a matter of time. Here's another prediction for you. It's only a matter of time till there is a WWE event on ESPN. It's only a matter of time. And people who hate wrestling are going to hate that idea. They're going to hate it. But guess what? They're celebrities, pro athletes. They have so many people involved that are fans of this. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, he fought last night at WrestleMania. Shaq! I couldn't believe it. They had like this battle royal. Shaq, I tweeted up, Shaq just choke slammed Kane. This is a true tweet about WrestleMania. He did. Then he got eliminated over the top rope. But Shaq fought at WrestleMania last night. It was WrestleMania, they always make it a huge event. And all the, you know, what's, what's great about it for people like me who used to be big fans, at, you know, I was a big fan as a kid, you know, more, way more then than now. But you remember, you know, the, the nostalgic feeling of Stone Cold Steve Austin. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who I dressed, I, at one point, I was dressing up like Shawn Michaels for Halloween for a good, like, six straight years. I still have the outfit. Um, I didn't do Halloween last year. I think I had to work. But that outfit's still put away somewhere. Like, I can bust that out at any time on a, in, in a future Halloween event. I can't. And I, the chances are very good that I do that. But those guys, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, um, Mick Foley was out there. They brought the old guys back last night and they're all doing their finishing moves. It was phenomenal. And you could say those guys maybe stole the show from even, you know, the new guys that they have now. At least that's how someone like myself is always going to feel. But there was another moment last night at WrestleMania that, you know, 
I think this was the, like when we look back at WrestleMania 32, and not that I'm not that I'm gonna sit here every day and look back at WrestleMania 32. Um, but if we do, I think the moment that we're gonna look at is when Shane McMahon jumped off the top of the Hell in a Cell cage through a fucking announce table. Now, me talking about this does not do it justice. You have to go watch it. You can you you know Google it, YouTube it. It's it's online everywhere. I mean, it's literally the videos everywhere. Shane McMahon jumps off the top of the Hell in a Cell. He, the Undertaker's on the announce table, and the Undertaker moves, and Shane McMahon goes down through the table. I mean, this was, and he knew he's doing this going in because that's what Shane McMahon does. Like in the past. He takes these big bumps. He, like, smashes himself through tables and jumps off the top of ambulances when they pull him out. And, like, he does crazy shit. He always takes his big hit during a match. But that's a... That's a nutty hit that he took. And he knows he's going to do it. Like, he knows that this moment is going to steal the spotlight. But the question... There's a big question mark here as he, you know, walks to the ring last night at WrestleMania and is thinking about, okay, I know I'm going to do this move, the question is, and I think it's a realistic question that he probably had. And that question is, am I going to survive this? <laughs> right? Am I going to survive this fall? Because there's nothing guaranteed that he even makes the leap and lands perfectly on the table. If he misses the table, it's an even worse hit because he doesn't have anything to really break his fall. Now, what the table doesn't, I get it. It doesn't break his fall that much, but it's more than just smashing down uh, onto the ground without any, hitting anything first. Um, and you could sort of sense that he knew just how big of a hit this was going to be and how risky this was and how, I'll say it, life-threatening this was because he comes to the ring with his kids. He brings his kids out. He's walking down the ring with his kids. They're dancing. He throws his kids into the first row and he kisses his wife. I think it's his wife at least. Um, the kiss that he gave his wife, like he gave her one kiss and then he was like, all right, I'm going to kiss you again. And (laughs) when he does that, I'm watching it and we're sitting there watching. I go, oh, he is, he's going to risk his life doing something like he, you don't just kiss your wife like that. That was like a, I might not see you again. Kiss the second one. That's what that was. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so we can laugh about it now because he survived this fall, and I think he's probably going to be okay. Though I haven't heard an update, which makes me somewhat skeptical. Uh, but the way he kissed his wife, I'm going, oh boy, he's going to do something insane during this match. And he did. And, and right before he jumps off the top of the cage, I mean, I can't even imagine. It's one thing to be down on the ground and looking up at the top of that thing. It's another thing. When you actually get up there, and you're in that stadium, and there's so many people, they set the attendance record, what, over 101,000 people? Um, They set the attendance record for WrestleMania. That must be the most intimidating thing he's ever done in his life. And, And probably not even close to anything else. So he's looking down, and right before he jumps... He blesses himself. And, you know, it's it added to the drama. But you, I'm thinking of the, he walks his kids down. He kisses his wife. The guy's fucking blessing himself. They're going into this thinking, hey, this might not end well, 
But this is what we do. We are entertainers. We are showstoppers. And we're here for the storyline. That's what they're in it for. The McMahon family, what they showed you last night, was just how fucking crazy they are. They are nuts. They're nuts. But it's great. It is entertaining. And the moment that we should be talking about is probably The Rock wrestling last night out of nowhere. John Cena returning, even. Uh, You know, Roman Reigns winning the title, if you want. Zack Ryder won the Intercontinental belt. You get some other moments you had last night. Um, uh, Roman Reigns speared Stephanie McMahon, which was, you know, obviously, this is the WWE, this is the McMahon family once again walking the line, right? (laughs) Possibly crossing it with their storylines that are just nuts that you can't get away with in any other place, uh, uh, you know, on this earth. And the McMahons get away with it because they're, you know, they consider it entertainment, but they always seem to come close to crossing that line, and sometimes they cross it. But, I mean... Uh, you know, there's other things you could talk about last night. Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels. The defining moment, when you look back, is going to be Shane McMahon jumping off the top of a Hell in a Cell through a table, risking his life, thinking to himself as he's walking to the ring, as he's putting his kids in the front row, as he's kissing his wife multiple times, as he's blessing himself before he makes the leap, knowing the question is, Will I survive this fall? <laughs> right? It's, it's very possible he could have not survived that. And, uh, you know, we joke about it now because from what we have seen and I think heard last night, I mean, it looks like he did survive. So, but just, a, that was a, that was insane. That's like one of the most, you're just staring at the TV, like with your mouth open, like, no way. Like you thought he was going to do something like that. But then when you see it happen, <laughs> I mean, I, me talking about it doesn't even do it justice. You have to go watch it yourself. You have to go pay attention to it yourself. But that's what you had at WrestleMania last night in Dallas. Next year, they announced WrestleMania is in Orlando. We were talking, we're like, we're going to go. I mean, we said that about this one. Um, I've been to two WrestleManias. I went to WrestleMania 14 at the, the TD Garden. It was the Fleet Center back then. Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold. Mike Tyson was involved. Uh, and then we went to WrestleMania a couple years ago at MetLife in New York City. Uh, in New Jersey, I guess you could say. But um, we were going to go to this one, and then, you know, I had this trip that I went on. So it just, I couldn't do two trips like that right away. And next year in Orlando, we'll see. We, we'll talk about going. Maybe I'll be broadcasting at that point from WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. Maybe. No, maybe Vince hires, Maybe Vince wants to hire me to be some type of, you know, I'd see they do like the pre, pre-game show. I say pre-game. I don't even know how to say it. The pre-show show and then the post-show show, I, you know what I mean. The pre-shows, the post-shows on the network, and they got people who, you know, analyze. The analysis is hysterical. But, um... You know, hey, I, I mean, I'm in this business, as I told you. I, I consider myself an entertainer. I'm in the entertainment business. That's the entertainment business. I would love to be a part of that at some point. I'd never want to jump off the top of a hell in a cell. But um, I've always teased the idea that on the network, like what they need on the WWE network is like a radio show every day. That's similar to some of the radio shows you see simulcast on TV. 
like, for example, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog used to be simulcast. You know, Mike Francesi used to be simulcast on TV. Uh, you got Felger and Maz simulcast here in Boston. And, like, Boomer and Cotton in New York. Like, on, what are they on? CBS Sports TV? But it's a New York radio show, also TV simulcast. Like, something like that on the WWE Network. That's a show about the WWE, but you can get into other sporting events. Like you can talk about the top storylines sometimes, right? It could be a three hour show. You could, you know, it could be radio on Sirius XM or something. You could get simulcast through the country on radio stations and you can have it a video version. Like it's a radio studio, but it's on video and you could broadcast from, I don't know, Times Square, New York City. I mean, think about how many pro athletes love professional sports. And think about how many pro athletes all year round are in New York because their teams are playing in New York. Whether it's they're playing against the Knicks or the Nets or the Rangers or the Islanders or the Jets or the Giants or the Yankees or the Mets. I mean, you could always, and and there's always a, a pro athlete from a visiting team that would come in studio and do a segment. You know there would be. And on top of it, you know, that's WWE could sell advertisements with that. I I think it would be I think it's a no brainer. I'm I know they do like the Stone Cold podcast, but there's other things they could do. And uh I, I and I had Michelle Beadle on the show on this show last year, ESPN's Michelle Beadle. Uh, she was there last night. I was talking to her, I said, I go, Hey, the pick and beetle show on W WWE Network. That would be pretty wild. And I pitched the idea to her. Now, she might not have taken it seriously, but I'm actually dead serious when I bring up that idea. Like, I think it's a phenomenal idea. And I think it's only a matter of time till they do it. Or at least maybe they'll listen to this one day and maybe they'll let me throw, if they do do it, let me throw my hat into the ring. Perhaps. I don't know. Um, That would be wild. But next year, WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. We'll try to get there for that one. We'll try to get there for WrestleMania 33. So that's what we had going this weekend. Uh, this week, again, we got some regular season baseball. I'll break down this Red Sox opening day game on tomorrow's podcast, also on the radio tomorrow night, WEI 10 till midnight. And um, yeah, that's that. That's a weekend wrap-up for you. And as I sit here freezing my balls off in the studio once again, I thought we were past that. I thought we were just moving on. From the cold weather. We haven't been able to move on yet. So I'm going to have to come out and might have to purchase a new sweatshirt here at Beantown Athletics. Because they get a ton of them here that they make customized. And uh, while I promote some of the clothing that they have here at Beantown Athletics. With opening day today, I have to remind you that this is a perfect time to get your David Ortiz farewell t-shirts right now. Give them a call. 617 617- 282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Go to beantownathletics.com or if you're in the area, 132 Granite Ave in Dorchester. They have plenty of them. Picture a big poppy on the front. Has his number 34 on the back. Says thank you above it. The David Ortiz farewell tour. It begins today in Cleveland. You got to get your one-of-a-kind David Ortiz farewell tour t-shirt right here at Beantown Athletics. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad. Get this show on the Stitcher app. Also, tune in anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter. 
Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. And uh, I told you, I'll be doing some live Facebook video of this show. We tested some things out last week. Go back, watch that. Live Facebook video. I ordered a tripod. It's not in yet. I, I won't lie. The website I ordered it off looked pretty sketchy. But it was the best mini tripod for a phone that I could find. Does that make sense? So I went through with it. I, it was like 30 bucks. If I get screwed, I get screwed. I'm trying not to get screwed. But if I get screwed, I get screwed. Wouldn't be the first time, would it? Nah, wouldn't be the first time. Probably won't be the last either. But when that comes in, we'll be doing some live Facebook video. Facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Enjoy opening day today. Red Sox in Cleveland. Again, I'll break it down tomorrow. Talk to you then.